Tonight we're going to continue our study in the book of Proverbs, God's wisdom given to us through His Word. Now I was thinking about our message this morning, our study on Sunday mornings in view of our study in the book of Revelation. We know someday uh, we will be with all the saints in glory. Someday we will be uh, in the presence of Jesus. Someday there's going to be no sin and no evilness and no corruption. And the Bible says the former things will have passed away. But in the meantime, we are not uh, in those days yet. And I think about that this morning. I get excited about that. I'm looking forward to that. But the truth is, uh, we still live in these days. And so in the meantime, God gives us his wisdom for these days. Now understand, that is what is happening as we study all of his word. But for sure, that is what is happening when we study the book of Proverbs. God is giving us his wisdom that we're going to need in these days. As we navigate through these days, God says to us, here is what to do. Here are some things not to do. Uh, here is how to see. Uh, here is how to evaluate. He gives us the standards of evaluation. He tells us how to respond. This is how you respond as a follower of Christ. Here's how you do not respond as a follower of Christ. And so graciously, God gives us his wisdom in these days. Now, he says it's more valuable than gold or silver, uh, than vast riches to have his wisdom in these days. And so tonight, he again is giving us his wisdom through the study of his word. Tonight, in the midst of these days, we're going to look to him to gain his wisdom. Uh, we're in chapter 29. Uh, last time in our, in our study, we had skipped verse 15. And so tonight, we're going to start off with verse 15 as we pick up our study again. I'm going to actually pair it tonight with verse 17. So we're going to start off by looking at verse 15 and verse 17. Go with me to God's word. Verse 15 says this, The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child who gets his own way brings shame to his mother. The rod and reproof give wisdom. But a child who gets his own way brings shame to his mother. Verse 17, correct your son and he will give you comfort. He will also delight your soul. Correct your son and he will give you comfort. He will also delight your soul. Now I want you to travel with me, go with me tonight. Uh, right, right now we are living uh, in days that I believe Satan has stirred up and he has whipped up the perfect storm, uh, for lack of a better word, of just craziness. And I think we're living in those days. It is the end times. I believe that. And I believe Satan has whipped up a perfect storm of craziness. Today, the truth of God's word is set aside. It's not even looked to. Uh, God's word is disregarded. Not only that, it is laughed at. It is considered uh, to be ignorant to consider God's word. That is the day that we're living in. Uh, today you watch people and they run to darkness. They run to sin and they run to worldliness. Now that's a hard thing to understand. Uh, when we do that, it always ends in disaster. When we do that, it always brings great trouble to us. But for some reason, uh, people gravitate that way. They run to darkness. They run to sin and worldliness. They consume it. Uh, our culture participates in it. We laugh at it. We bring it into our homes and here's the thing about our day, there is no longer any shame in doing so. And so we participate, 
we laugh at it, we wink at it, and there's no longer any shame in doing so. Today, you watch, truly good is called evil. The Bible said that would be a marker of this time. And evil is celebrated as good. And Satan on several fronts has pushed this. Now, he has several fronts of attack. And in several ways, he has pushed this, stirred this up, and placed it into action. And let me tell you something tonight. And one of the main ways that he has done this is in his destruction of the home. That's one of the main ways. There are several ways he has done this, but one of his main ways is in his destruction of the home and his robbing of or his distortion of the function of the home. Now, let me explain that to you tonight. He not only has wrecked the home, we see that around us, but he's also robbed the home of its purpose, of its function. Let me explain that. The home is created by God. Now understand, it is his creation to honor God. The home is created by God to be centered on Christ. That's to be the center of the home. It's to be focused on our Savior, Jesus Christ. Now listen to this. And the home is to produce kids with the same focus. The home is to be centered on Jesus Christ. The home is to bring glory to God. And the home is to produce kids that are centered on Christ and that live their lives for the glory of our God. It is in the home that kids are to hear of Christ first. Now listen, we're, we're proud in the church to teach them of Christ. We want to grow in the knowledge of Christ. But it is in the home the context of the home that kids are to hear frequently of our Savior Jesus Christ. It is in the home that they are to be encouraged in every way to trust Christ. They ought to see it in action. They ought to hear it in word. They ought to be reminded of it in God's word. In every single way, it is in the context of the home that they ought to be encouraged to trust Jesus Christ. It is in the home that they are to grow in the truth of Christ. That is the function of the home. That is the purpose of the home. Well, listen, you know this. Satan has blown that all to pieces. He has absolutely blown that all to pieces. Most births today are to unwed people. Now, I don't know when that line changed, but most births today are to unwed people. Let me just tell you this. Christ cannot be at the center of that because it's not Christ's plan. Now listen, he can redeem it, and he can take a mess of a situation, and he can repair it if we'll turn to him. But I want to tell you, that is not the plan of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Listen to this. Most cohabitating people today see marriage as not necessary. They see it as outdated. They see it as irrelevant, and they, and they haven't followed God's plan for marriage. Let me tell you this. Listen to this. God will not bless that union because it's not his plan. Sometimes folks, they come, we've been living together for five years and for 10 years, and we don't understand the heartache we have. We don't understand the troubles that keep coming up. God will not bless that union because it is not his plan. Now, I could go on and on. I'm starting to sound like a Baptist preacher. Uh, I could go on and on in that. But I want to tell you, in the crossfire of all of that, we, we know those things. But in the crossfire of all of that are kids. And so we got kids 
and they're living in a home that Satan has blown up. We got kids and they're living with parents that aren't considering the plan of God and the crossfire, the damage of that, we have kids. Let me tell you this. Satan is stealing right from us generation after generation of kids. And I don't know if we're in the third set of those or the fourth set of those, but we say, well, not at, not in my house, not at my time, not in my community, not, at, not in this age. Right underneath us, generation of generation of kids are being stolen from us because God's plan for raising kids and God's plan for growing kids has been cast aside. And so we, we can, hey, we can gloss it over. We can act like it's not happening. We can say, yeah, but did you see uh, the touchdown they scored? Yeah, but did you see the job they got? Did you see the cars they're driving? And yet generation of generation of kids being stolen away from us because we're no longer following God's plan for raising kids. Now tonight, listen, we're not going to fix all of that tonight. However, we can be sure, listen, and we can be glad God tells us how to raise kids. God tells us how to raise, how to instruct our kids. Now tonight we're going to end up looking at just two verses, but the two verses we're going to look at are part of that. God tells us how to raise our kids. Now I want, I want to stop right here and I want to drive this down. I want to be sure that we know this. Be very clear and be confident. Be very clear the way to train and equip and build Awesome kids will not and does not come from the culture. It does not come from the world. It does not come from experts. Some, sometimes we think, well, the experts say you ought to do this. It does not come from counselors. It does not come from institutes on study on child rearing. It does not come from the university system. The way to raise kids comes from God's word. Man, that's dumb. Man, that's simple. Man, it's got to be bigger than that. Do you, do you see the problems of our world? It's got to be bigger than that. Listen to me. God's word tells us how to raise kids. Now, you can go search out those other ways. I'm going to tell you something. It's just a swirl of worldly advice. God has a plan for raising kids. Parents understand that. Grandparents understand that. Church, some of you say, well, I don't have kids anymore. I never had any kids. Listen, the church needs to know that. God has a plan for raising our kids. All right, so again tonight, let's look at this plan. Sometimes I start preaching and I go into sermons. All right, let's look at this plan. Starting in verse 15. Let me read verse 15. The rod and reproof give wisdom. This is the word of God. But a child who gets his own way brings shame to his mother. It says the rod and reproof give wisdom. Wisdom, that is what God says, that is his truth. Now, understand this, the rod and reproof are instruments of correction. And so what God is saying here is that correction gives wisdom. You want to have kids and you want them to possess godly wisdom? They go into the craziness of the world. They're going to make decisions in this world. Do you want them to have godly wisdom? Well, God says here, correction gives wisdom. What that means is it is to say, hey, hey, that's not right. It, it is to say, hey, that's not correct. In fact, that is wrong. Just punishment, 
That's what is represented by the rod, just punishment. Listen, there are times for punishment. And just correctly carried out punishment, uh, that's the rod right here. Wise correction, that is the idea of reproof. Well, those two things, uh, correction through punishment and, and correction with reproof, those two things, the Bible says, will produce in kids wisdom. Now, I want you to see this. And we, have to, we have to be clear of this. For there to be correction, there first must have been instruction. And that just makes sense. But if there's going to be correction, there first must have had to have been instruction. I watch kids today. You ever watch sometimes watch kids? And there's somebody and they have some kids and they've never explained the rules to them. And they've never explained the right thing to do in this situation. There's not been any instruction. But now they do something, and, and, and that adult or that parent will get loud, and they'll blow up, and they, they come down on them. But they never told them the right thing to do. They never told them what was expected of them. That doesn't work. Listen, there must be instruction. Now, what does that mean? It means this. There must be teaching. I want you to think about the process of teaching for a second, all of these things really. Teaching doesn't happen in an instant. Now, you may teach for an instant, but teaching is a cumulative thing. This is why we do this, and this is how we do this. There must be teaching. There must be explaining. Let me explain to you why this is going to work. Let me explain to you why God has said this. Let me explain to you why this is never going to work. There has to be explaining. There has to be guiding. There has to be modeling. It does, it's crazy. Kids see right through it. If you, if you say all the things, but you don't do any of the things, they see through that. They see that mess. There has to be modeling and all of that, instructing, teaching, modeling, explaining, guiding, all of that is a process. It is an effort. Now, let's be honest with you. It is work. I'm going to do these things, and I'm going to be consistent in these things, and it's not going to matter if I just do it for, for October. I'm going to have to do it for November. I'm going to have to do it in the spring as well. It doesn't matter if I do it when they're four, if I'm not going to do it when they're nine. There must be instruction. Now, I want you to think about this for just a second. How will that happen if today parents are not often with their kids? And I, I, I'll tell you, I don't know that there's ever been a day in our country when this has been the case to a greater extent. How are parents going to take time to teach and explain and guide and model when we've got this and we've got that and Tuesday night is this and there's a meeting like this and I've got to get there early and I want to tell you more than the, the parents, a lot of times now it's the kids and the kids have this on Monday night and they got this on Tuesday night and if you notice nobody cares about scheduling things on Wednesday and we got softball on Sunday and we've got this thing and that thing and we got so many things and the kids are passing by the parents, they're riding in the car with the parents, but they're not spending time with the parents. Not only that, when they are, because of the pace of our world, the parents at that time are not faithful and committed to the roles of instructing. Man, I've been gone 12 hours, and I've been in four meetings, and we've been here, and we've been there, 
And we've been over there and we participated in that and we signed up for these three things. And we finally get home and if you'll just go look at your tablet, I'll just sit here and look at ESPN and we'll act like nobody else exists. When we're together, we're not spending that time. And I'm going to add one more thing while I'm making you feel bad. The Bible says, and the dad is to lead this. Did you know that? The primary teacher in the home is to be the dad. The one that sets the pace in the home is the dad. Let me ask you this. Do you think it is a coincidence then that most dads today are not in the home? Do you know that? Most dads today, they're not in the home. And I'll just tell you this. They're not going to be in the home. They're not going to marry that lady. If something goes on, they're going to move on down the road. They're not going to be in the home. And the ones that are in the home, they're not committed to instructing. And all of that was Satan's ploy. Little by little by little. All of that was Satan's ploy. Listen to me. There must be instructing. And instruction requires a commitment. And it requires a process. And it requires time. And you must be faithful to the process of instructing if you're ever going to get to the place of correcting. All right? The verse is very practical. And it says this, But a child who gets his own way brings shame to his mother. Now, I want you to think about these words. I, I, I sometimes wonder about this. These words, this message, it wasn't written three years ago. It wasn't written in 1986. These words are thousands of years old. And so I think about that. The child who gets his own way, thousands of years old. The child who gets his own way. Now, think about that. That means the child... They get their own way. It means the child is directing. It means the child, they are leading. I, this is what I want, and this is what I like, and I don't want to do that. The child gets their own way. Today, I, I believe it is normal for kids who have been promoted as the center of the home. That's, man, the kid is the center of everything, and everything revolves around the kids. I believe it is the normal thing for the kids that have been promoted as the center of the home to then have the place of dictating the direction of the home. Kids are leading today. You watch them. I don't want to do that. I don't want to go to church. I don't want to go to that place. Uh, I, I want to have this thing. I've got to have that phone. I've got to have those shoes. And they're setting the course of their home. Let me tell you something here. Do you know the problem with kids leading? Now, it's not that they're bad kids. <laughs> Do you know the problem with kids leading? It's that kids are kids. That's the problem with kids leading. Kids are immature. Kids, kids haven't developed their wisdom. They haven't lived long enough to have built a sense of godly wisdom. Kids are driven by their emotions. The problem with kids leading, telling you how it's going to be, is, because, is that kids are kids. Isn't that wild? Thousands of years ago, this was the same issue. Now, I don't know what that means. You've been out there with the camels, and, I, and you're not coming in, or you, you keep playing with this toy out in the yard, the dirt yard out there. I don't know what that meant, but evidently kids wanted to have their own way. It hasn't changed. Here's what the Bible says. Parents, instruct your kids. Then parents, correct, rebuke, discipline your kids. There are kids, hope I don't get in trouble for this. I was talking about this the other day. 
there are kids that come around, and if you'll be honest, you might say the same thing, and you do not want to be around them. You ever been around kids like that? And they may be four, they may be 10, I don't, they may be 17, but there are kids and they come around, you don't want to be around. And in fact, the opposite is true. They're not enjoyable. They're, they're going to eat the paint off the walls, knock the pictures down. They're going to start the car, back it into the neighbor's yard. They're not enjoyable. They're not likable. And I, I'll see certain kids coming and go, oh man, there's those kids. Let me tell you this. And 99.99999% of the problems the parents. And those kids are just kids, and they should have had a little bit of guidance, and they should have had a little bit of instruction. They might have done better. The problem lies with the parents. All right, let's move to verse 17. Correct your son, and he will give you comfort, and he will also delight your soul. Correct your son, and he will give you comfort. He will also delight your son. All right, in verse 17, here is the answer. Here's what we do. Now, God, the designer of the home, the, the creator of people, he says, here's what you do. All right, we've got the problem laid out. Here's what you do. He says, correct your son. The Hebrew word for correct means discipline. You could put that word in there, discipline your son. Another translation, admonish. Admonish your son. The word admonish, listen to this, it means to warn of something that could be avoided. Do you know how much regret we carry in life? And I'm talking as a 52-year-old, if I just hadn't gone to that place, if I just hadn't done that thing, if I'd have just stayed away from, from those people or that issue. Admonish means to warn of something that could be avoided. It means to urge. It means to advise earnestly. Parent, you are to bring them to the right. You are to warn them, you are to urge them, and you are to lead them away from the pitfalls and the troubles of life. I want you to notice something there. That's all big. But I want you to notice the word your, your. Correct your son. Now, I could say a lot right there. I, I, there's probably a whole sermon right there. But let me just say this. Do you know who should care about your kids like you? Do you know who should love your kids like you? I want to tell you the answer is nobody. Nobody ought to care about your kids like you care about your kids. Nobody ought to love your kids like you love your kids. These are your kids. And so listen, they're your responsibility, but I want you to see this. It's not out of a duty alone. Yes, we have a duty as Christian parents, but it's not out of duty alone that we would do these things. It's out of care for our kids that we would do these things. Nobody ought to care about these kids more than you do. You ought to do it out of care for your kids. It is out of love for your kids that you would take the time to teach them, that you would take the time to correct them. Nobody ought to love your kids the way you love your kids. It says correct your kids. And then it says the fruit of that is not that you'd have trouble. It's not that you'd have chaos. It's not that you'd have agitation. I, I can't tell you the folks that I talk to and they have trouble with their kids. 
in trouble with their young kids, sometimes even trouble with their adult kids, and there's chaos, and we're not sure how it's going to turn out. The Bible says the fruit of correcting your kids, it's not those things. Here's what the Bible says. It's comfort. It's comfort. Correct your son, and he will give you comfort. It says he will also delight your soul. It means bring great joy to you. All of a sudden, Sarah's in college. In fact, she's wrapping up college. Kale is going in. He's already starting his senior year in high school. Uh, Will is growing up, and he's growing up very quickly. And to all that, I just say, ugh. Let me tell you something. Did you know I never get over asking and sometimes I wake up in the night and I ask, did we do everything we should have done? Did we teach them everything we should have taught them? Did I, did I miss something? Did I get distracted? Was I in too big of a hurry? Did I, did I show them enough about that subject? Did I teach them enough about that temptation? Did I tell them enough about these folks are going to respond in this way? And I start to go, what if this happens? And what if this happens? I never get over that. Did I, did I teach them enough? But let me tell you, and it, it's weird how at these ages you start to see it. I can also tell you there is no better joy, no greater joy, than to watch them in their walk. And it's not mine. I wish it was mine. I'd like to make it mine sometimes. It's not mine. But to watch them in their walk and to watch them do the thing that would honor Christ. And sometimes you step back and you go, wow, that's awesome. Well, wow, that's impressive. I don't, know, I don't know that I would have done that in that situation. No better joy than to watch them walking with the Lord doing the right thing. The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child who gets his own way brings shame to his mother. Correct your son and he will give you comfort. He will also delight your soul. I'm going to ask if you'll stand, please. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come tonight and we hear your words. And maybe we're tempted to say, well, it's too late for me. Or maybe we're tempted to say, that doesn't apply to me. Or maybe we, we're, we're arrogant and say, I've got this mastered. I, I pray that tonight, whoever we are, whatever situation we're in, that our ears are open and our, and our hearts are listening. And I pray whether it's the influence we carry in our church or maybe the influence we still have with kids, maybe even older grown kids, maybe the influence that we now have with grandkids, maybe it's just smacking the process of raising kids. I pray that we would understand you have spoken, and you are gracious, and you are wise, and you've given us the best way. And I pray, Lord, we wouldn't go seek out answers from anybody but our Creator God, the infinitely wise God, gracious to give us your truth. And then I come and I pray for homes. I pray for dads. Lord, we blow it. We mess it up. Help us as dads and as granddads. Help us to turn to your word, to know your word, to walk in your word, to model your word, to speak and to teach your word. Whatever stage we find ourselves. I pray for moms. I pray for some that are having to carry this load, having to do it without a husband, some of them without a dad, some of them with a, with a man present but not acting like a dad. 
I pray that you give them strength, and I pray that you give them encouragement. And I pray, Lord, that they are, they are taught by the truth of your word. And then I pray for kids, and kids with great homes, and kids with not so great homes, and kids in, in terrible circumstances, and kids in weird circumstances, the things that Satan has, has, has wrought on us. Lord, I pray for kids to hear the truth. And I pray it's from a parent, but if mean, it's not a parent, I pray it's a grandparent. If it's not a grandparent, I pray it's a, a teacher or a friend or a church. I pray, Lord, knowing that you renew and you redeem, and I pray where we have failed that you show grace and kindness, and I pray for the truth to be made known to them. And then I pray the fruit of that, Lord, is that there will be a peculiar people. Yeah, the world would call us weird, and yeah, the world wouldn't think we would fit, but I pray that that peculiar people would bring glory to you and walk in obedience to you. And I pray that the blessing would be for your name and for your cause, but also for our kids and for our homes. Lord, we come and I pray at this time of the year, we, we start to think about all the things starting back up and, and school and sports and all the busy things. I pray that our priority be, would be set by you. It would be derived from your word. I pray we'd be faithful and obedient to it. And again, I pray that it would bear much fruit. I come tonight and I tell you, all of this, and this is just one small little area. You tell us, Lord, how to operate in our daily lives, how to operate in our finances, how to operate in our jobs, how to operate in our relationships. I pray that we would take your truth and we would grab a hold of it, that we would live according to it, and I pray that it would bear the same fruit. And then I tell you tonight as we end this day, thank you for caring enough to tell us. Thank you for being gracious enough to show us. And I end this day by saying, Lord, you truly are worthy. Holy, holy, holy. You truly are worthy. We love you. We praise you and we thank you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen.